0: Hello, listeners, and welcome to this very special episode of Fables Around the Table Curse. This is our second and final retrospective episode. Um, If you haven't listened to our previous one, you should go do that, uh, where we talk with the game designers of Curse the House of Rookwood, because it is really fun and cool, but Now we're in this episode and we are having a Q and A with our wonderful cast and our very small crew of only Tom. Uh, (laughs) would, yeah, that, that is you. Uh, would everyone like to introduce themselves, starting with Nick, because I need to name people or else everyone will just be silent. (laughs)
1: All right, I'll bite the bullet and go first. Uh, My name is Nick Yurisiva. I am one of the uh, co-founders and owners of Project Derailed. I am the DM of our other podcast, uh, Tales of the Voidfarer, and I played Virgil Rookwood in Curse.
0: All right. And uh, let's go right down the line and do Chelsea.
2: Hi, uh, I'm Chelsea Rexinger. I played Gail Rookwood.
0: Okay. And uh who's next? Uh Penny. Or Annie. I've i have already confused about what we're doing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Surprise, it's a sequel, uh Galen yeah. will come back to life.
0: <laughs> Start rolling some dice. <laughs> well they'll die
3: soon enough making his <laughs> rolls. um i'm annie kimmel i am half of the under you know always in progress podcast two bookish babes and i play penelope
0: or penny okay and now uh daniel
4: uh hi i'm daniel walker and i played jeremy rickwood
0: and last but not least garrett our our non-rickwood
4: I, I am not
5: special whatsoever. My name is Garrett Kimmel and I played Dr. Alistair Laval.
0: Very nice. <laughs> um, all right. Now that we have the introductions out of the way, as uh, everyone cool with just jumping right into the questions because we have a lot of them? <laughs>
1: Ask that shit.
0: Okay. Uh, the very first question is from me. And uh, what did you guys think of the podcast? Do you like how it came out? Uh, do you like, you know, all the terrible things I edited out, all the horrible things you were doing and our massive cuts we did. (laughs) It was okay. The
6: cast could have been better. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was Uh, actually good. I'll let people give actual
1: (laughs) answers now. (laughs) Who wants to go first? I guess Uh, I'll go first. Um, I, I really, really liked it. I thought it was really cool. It was captivating the whole time. and It's amazing how much I forgot from actually recording the sessions like I was there and I'm still listening to this this podcast like remembering shit uh and it was super entertaining and I'm really happy with how it all came together
0: yeah, I definitely feel that, like, forgetting stuff, because I, I, I've i listened to the whole thing through probably three or four times now, and still every time I listen to it, I will l- be listening to myself talk and be like, oh, that's really smart. I should write that down. Like, that's really good.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, so personally, something I really liked about how the podcast came out was how we kind of walk this line between um, uh, scripted audio drama and actual you know, it was a live play, but with the, the voice re-recordings and, and all of that kind of stuff, it seemed more um, polished, I guess.
4: I thought it was fun. I haven't really been on many of these sorts of things, so uh, actually being on something for more than, like, an episode was was neat.
3: I was say, I'll be the one to admit it. I have not listened to it. I can't <laughs> nice. listen to it. <laughs> I will probably never listen to it, but I did listen to the Q&A with the creators. So oh, very nice. Mm-hmm. I gave that a listen. <laughs> Don't know if I'll listen to the rest of the podcast ever because listening to myself is still anxiety inducing. So,
0: <laughs> that's that, yeah, that's entirely fair. Yeah, I, I have like really gotten over that with the amount of just like hours of my my own voice I have added. I just it's just sort of my voice now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, when you're editing a podcast that's heavily that you're heavily featured in, you get used to your yeah, voice really fast. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> What's
6: interesting for me is my regular speaking voice I'm used to and like. My like character voice I did for um Daddy Rickwood was really got on my nerves
4: quite a lot. <laughs> I um, didn't I didn't know who it was at first when I was listening to no, I that. was, like, was I, Tom. Whose, whose voice yeah. is this? <laughs> was me Um, (laughs) no i
6: i really like that voice I, i ended up liking where i got to it was actually funny though because in the sort of final monologue of episode four um i was just like going through the episode in order recording the lines but i ended up retaking that monologue over and over and by the end of it the voice had become totally different And so then I had to go back to the beginning and re-record all the other lines to match (laughs) the voice that I finally landed on that didn't suck enormous ass.
1: Imagine trying to make up (laughs) voices on the fly. like
0: (laughs) Yeah, poor Nick. See, that's why you just have all your friends with beautiful voices uh, re-record stuff later. But... um how about i ask a different question then since we have quite a lot of them um and we need to get through at least a couple um this is for everyone it comes from our friend kitty uh who was your favorite npc and that could be a rookwood or a non-rookwood npc
4: uh i guess i'll take it first since i actually have my answer pretty well founded uh Listening back to I think the fourth or fifth episode, I'm not entirely sure off the top of my head, uh, it was something that was edited later, uh, but the voice for Jeremy's dad, uh, I really liked, so I li- like that entire extra scene, I was like, ah, man, I bet Jeremy would have turned out pretty okay if I had a dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That Alpha was, Riff crushed it. Yeah, it that was, was so our good. friend
0: Alpha Riff. Uh he did a really excellent job. Uh he did a really excellent job being Paul. I, w- I was really pleased with it because that one, I think, was actually one of the most challenging um, because we actually went back and wrote that scene later because uh, when we were in the thick of it, we had, like, recorded something, but I had, like, anticipated something, like, a different memory being longer, um, the last memory specifically. So I'm like, okay, we'll do that memory really briefly, and then the last memory will be this long thing. But then Chelsea just, like really uh very quickly made this like really nice moment that I liked a lot and I'm like okay so I want that second memory to be a little bit longer so Chelsea went back and uh rewrote a scene so he didn't have any audio or anything to go off of and uh they both like really did a super nice job with it I'm really happy with how that scene turned out
4: It was super good
1: <laughs> It's hilarious you say that because uh since I forgot so much of the session anyway I didn't even realize that that wasn't something we recorded real time with.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that was, I think, the only thing that we went back and edited and just like completely wrote something new for. Um, but I like how mm-hmm. it turned out a lot.
1: It turned out really good um, to to continue that question. I really liked uh, Jack. And uh I, I think I was talking to Fiona about this before, cause, uh Jack was played by our friend Gil the Vlogsmith. And uh it just so happened that Gil's voice and Alpha Rip's voice sounded semi similar and we had established that Gail had a type. Yeah. And I thought that, that that it reinforced that idea uh really, really well. And and Gil did a great job uh in that scene being Penny's boss slash coworker. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was like, yeah, I think that she was his secretary or something like that. But yeah,
5: I enjoy the guidance counselor.
0: Yeah, that's that's who I was uh, going to bring up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a, that was another person I have to give a shout out to because I gave that to Tanner um, a little bit later than I would have liked to because there were so many lines for the guidance counselor. And Tanner, um, who is a PhD student right now, is in the middle of studying for all of his candidacy exams and recorded like... 40 minutes worth of audio for us in the middle of doing all of that. So, uh, thank trooper. you, Tanner.
1: <laughs> and Tanner, of course, plays Marco Astorio on Tales of the Void Fair.
0: Yes, yes, he does. We had everyone who was mm-hmm. uh, in this. Um, I will answer that question too. My favorite was Elias. Uh, Saker, yes. Saker also had no audio to go off of in the first episode, and he. D- actually at the saker sort of like changed the trajectory of the show um <laughs> with his recording <laughs> uh i had like given him a handful of lines some of which i actually didn't end up using because um in my initial like go through of everything i had elias ultimately like losing to the witches and uh that being one of the things that like set off his curse even further and then just listening to saker go through everything i'm just like no, Elias is a fucking badass. He went loose to these witches. He would like yeah. easily defeat them. Um, <laughs> and then, and then too, I'm like, He's going to be very present. Like, this is like too powerful of a performance to just be like, oh, yeah, he appears and then just sort of like disappears. So, uh, <laughs> he appeared a lot more. <laughs> and Saker, uh, th- without context in a lot of situations, I'm like, Elias is feeling like this way. Also, he became the villain. Will you record these lines? Thank you. <laughs> and he, just, <laughs> he really did a very good job each time.
1: Yeah, Elias was great.
6: I liked my own NPC.
0: <laughs> yeah, dad. dad dad was a
1: good one. Yeah. They were also good. Um my, my the ghost of my sister was really cool. Uh I thought Anna did a really good job like yeah. with that that very like the aloof ghostly uh not you know, quite here but somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. kind of yeah, vibe. It, sure. it really sold that and I think she did a really good job.
0: Yeah, I I liked everyone's um um I thought that everyone did a really nice job matching uh Virgil's like made up accent basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I, I I told people from the beginning like I'm okay with things being pretty apocryphal for this. Uh, I, you know, what do you think someone who is like very high society in uh, the 1970s in New England sounds like? And for a lot of people, that's sort of like a Boston Brahmin, like mid Atlantic type of accent, which would yeah. not really be what you would hear in that particular area, but, um. Mm-hmm. And even with, like, Saker doing um, Elias, I even told him, like, this would be, you know, at the very beginning of the Great Val Shift. Like, he wouldn't sound right, but sound like you're in the Crucible because that's people's, like, cultural reference for that sort of thing. And I think that everyone, like, really encompassed that really well with, like, you are sounding like how people think you should sound, and mm-hmm. you know dad and and lucy and virgil all sounded like siblings like they all had that same kind of like mm-hmm. affect in their voice
6: you even uh, cribbed a few lines from the crucible didn't you
0: i did yeah <laughs> that's uh <laughs> uh saker's uh conversation with the witches is all taken pretty directly from the crucible yeah um uh, because i thought that that was a. Uh, that that was the sort of vibe we were going for with what went down between Elias and the witches was the crucible and i was trying to write the lines i'm like i want this to sound like something from the crucible so then i just took lines from the crucible <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i'll do it yeah uh does anyone else have an answer to that
6: i think we pretty much heard from everyone
0: okay all right um So let's go. So, actually, what we were just talking about uh, leads nicely into a question from our friend Caitlin, um, which is basically for me. So, I get to talk some more. (laughs) But, uh, what were all the literary uh, and media references in the show? Because I had talked briefly about some of them during some of the episode breaks um the curse of the house of rookwood is pretty clearly based on the fall of the house of usher by Edgar Allan poe and mike i think confirmed that in the last q a that we did (laughs) so i'm like okay so since this game is like taken from a very particular sort of literary vibe um i want to also include references to different literary uh works in 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 the show and uh not directly follow the house of usher because i thought that was too on those also i have a master's degree in english so a lot of them are literary references um we did uh the poem from the tunnel scene at in willy wonka and the chocolate Factory at the beginning of episode three a lot of Saker's lines were taken pretty directly from the crucible um also in episode three when we described the house you know with the beams neatly met and stuff like that that's from um the haunting of hill house uh the walls bleeding is something that i took from um oh what's it called uh the emptyville horror and i'm, I'm trying to think there are probably other ones
6: it's a big old mashup.
0: Yeah, it's a big old mashup of a lot of things. Oh, um, actually, I will, in this question, answer uh, another question that Kitty asked, which was, uh, why was Kelly left under the floorboards? And I wanted to make a reference to Edgar Allan Poe, um, but I didn't want to follow the House of Usher, so I decided to do Telltale Heart, and I thought that that worked really well with Kelly being kind of like this eye of innocence and purity looking over the house. So I'm like, mm-hmm. Telltale tell Heart, he goes under the floorboards and is this like ever-present sort of force, um, but ultimately doesn't get laid to rest. So it's a little bit taken from uh, Just It's Creepy to have someone buried under the house. (laughs) And also, I wanted to get that Edgar Allan Poe reference in there. But yeah, that's my quick and dirty. And uh, if you heard another one in the show at some point and I didn't mention it, uh, you are probably correct and I just forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Like
1: half of those went over my head in the moment. (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah i'm sure that they did for a lot of people um it was it was mostly because i thought it was uh fun and and interesting to include a lot of like literary and and movie Uh references because i was taking taking so much from you know literature and the movies especially um like, uh, you know, Shirley Jackson, The Haunting of Hill House, uh, to create the story. So I'm like, let's, you know, put those references yeah. in there, kind of pay homage to these great works that inspired the genre, and also, you know, what we're doing in this podcast specifically.
6: Yeah, I mean, like those little details are almost like the work cited page for work of fiction.
0: Right. right. Exactly. <laughs> uh
1: huh. That appendix N, basically, like in D and D terms, like the the sources of inspiration. And yeah, yeah, know, exactly, like sort
0: of, yeah. yeah. And there are, there are quite a lot of them, and I tried to uh, to use them in ways that we weren't totally ripping them off, even though we sort of were. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little tip of the hat. Yeah, it's a tip of the hat, right. exactly. Um, here's one uh, from Mike from uh, Nerdy Pep Games, who you heard in the last retrospective episode, and it's for the cast. Um, if you had to choose a different curse for your character, what would it be?
4: Hmm. I think I actually had this one figured out because I got it confused with the one I ended up picking uh, at least once. I think it's fading echo uh, because I just thought like a 16, 17 year old with the ability to touch somebody and make them relive all of their humiliating moments would have been a lot of fun (laughs) just to have. (laughs) yeah that's
0: what uh we based uh dad's curse onto but we we tweaked it a little bit and made it its own curse but fading echo was something i was really intrigued by reading through the book the first time um Mm
7: -hmm. yeah
0: i thought
3: that if penny didn't have rickery um she should have curse of the shroud because i think that she would have a lot of fun making Mists appear and irritating Gail with that or, you know, manipulating <laughs> people's emotions with the mist. Yeah. I feel like um, Penny probably would have had a lot more marks from her curse if she had had the shroud. Because she probably would have used it a whole lot more as soon as she came into it.
2: With Gale, I think if I hadn't have gone with gaping maw for her, I probably would have done um, Medusa's veil. I think that would have uh, had the same kind of like traumatic symbolism. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, with gaping maw, it was like you know comfort eating. It came out of this like <laughs> coping mechanism, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, with Medusa's veil, it would be like oh, well, if I keep all of these things in my hair, then I won't
0: be, you know, alone, because everything will be in with my hair. <laughs> yeah. Mm. There was also some, like, uh, devouring symbolism, I think, in the book with uh, Medusa's Veil, where there's, like, fangs and stuff in your hair. Right. Yeah. I love Medusa's Veil. It's such a cool curse. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um. If If Alistair had a curse, what would it be, do you think, Garrett?
5: I honestly have no idea, because (laughs) Alistair was always not not going to have a curse. Um, That's fair. That was always my plan, kind of from the get-go, so I didn't do a whole ton of research into it, because I wanted to sort of add this other element to the family.
6: That's fair. Mm -hmm. That was my excuse when I was asked. In our last <laughs> perspective. what my I don't know I didn't play the like, game. I haven't had to make a character, so i I like I skimmed it. Uh-huh. Yeah,
0: and then you just made a fat joke about yourself. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> nice, um, nice.
1: Uh, so yeah, I think for Virgil, I could see Virgil as Curse of the Rookery. I think I think it's not a big leap of the imagination to imagine that AU where. Uh, Virgil is a crazy bird guy you know You know, with all of yeah. his pet birds with his trinkets and, and all of that stuff I don't think that's a big leap of the imagination plus Curse of the Rookery is just really cool
0: <laughs> yeah I, Curse of the Rookery is another one that I was like this is just like awesome mm-hmm. um, let's look at another question alright do we want a question from me from Kitty or from Mike you've got the pants
7: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah um yes. Okay, let, let's do this one. Uh this is a two-part question. Uh what moments of play were edited out to tell the story more clearly and were there any moments you wish you had left in? Um I will say that this podcast was not super heavily edited. Uh we did take out probably about um I would say about an hour and a half's worth of play from the final episode, but it, I guess calling it play is like a misnomer um because a lot of what we were editing out was like Hold on, let me spend five minutes of silence to like look something up in the book or, you know, <laughs> let's like take a break for a couple of minutes or, um, everyone's just like paused and thinking or like saying things with long pauses. Um, You're so deader, as far as, yeah. A- yeah. <laughs> so as far as, uh, actual content goes, we really didn't cut anything out major with one exception. Um, and that was something that we had recorded the whole game. And uh, I was going back and editing episode one, and Dan had said something about bluebirds being around, and I messaged him, and I'm like, Dan, what are these bluebirds? Like, what were you talking about? And Dan it, yeah, was it, like, it was something
4: that just never came up.
0: Yeah, it was something that never came up. Um, and for context, you had got you had gotten me a backstory that was very brief, uh, a backstory that actually inspired episode two, because it was a conversation oh. with a guidance counselor at the school.
4: Oh, I wish I hadn't done that now. That was very awkward for me. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, man, this is, this is a little too real.
0: Yeah, you had, you had got me that backstory and it was like pretty straightforward. Um it described your relationships with the other family members and then you got your character sheet to me maybe like um a couple moments before we like started playing episode yeah, one.
4: The the file that I had used for my character sheet, uh and I, I almost panicked about it again 'cause it uh it, it just never saved, ever. Uh it had all the stuff that was like, Yeah, just fill everything out and then just never saved any of the information that I did fill out uh so then I had to like rush and throw one together on like a notepad on my computer real quick
0: yeah so I had like read that like right before we started and at that point like everything was sort of set in motion um but I I, I had just, like, skimmed it basically to make sure that you filled it out correctly. And then I think episode three, you gave me a revised backstory. And what I didn't notice in your character sheet or in this revised backstory, because it was pretty brief, was that JC was part of, like, a Druidic cult. <laughs> and he had, like, he had these bluebirds that would, like, go around and, like, feed him information, basically. And yeah. I was like, okay that would have like pretty fundamentally changed the trajectory of the story. So we're yeah. just going to like <laughs> sort of cut that. Um, Cause you didn't mention it even except for that one part. So I'm yeah, like, I, I had, I just... had
4: ideas for using it and it just never came up, uh, in like a, a way that I felt was natural or like a good enough reason to be like, Oh yeah, cool. I'll just use my little, my little, my birds to spy on people because, uh, I think the only time it would have been relevant was when Virgil was going through JC's room, and I was at school.
0: Yeah. So it just Mm -hmm. wasn't, yeah, yeah, Alistair Alistair was going through
4: my stuff, Mm -hmm. uh, and I was at, like, Jeremy was at school, and I can't imagine I would have had, yeah, that, that entire day I was also just in the guidance counselor's office, so I would have never had, like, a moment where I could have gotten that information or sent somebody out to, like, get it. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And, like, functionally, Penny also sort of, like, served that purpose with her Crows and Ravens, and yeah. so I was just like, yeah, we're gonna, like, cut this part yeah. out and say that that's not, like, canon to what the story <laughs> was. Um, but, yeah, there's a there's a fun fact that I just, like, totally biffed it and, like, missed it. Because, because I asked you for a revised backstory, because um, I think during episode two, you guys had started talking about Jameson, and I'm like, I don't think Jameson was
4: oh yeah we were we were wildly off on two yeah yeah different places
0: so i'm like uh, because like (laughs) i think that jc said that jameson was like 11 and chelsea said that he was like was like two or three so I'm like like, like okay, a tiny to- baby yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so i'm like okay we need to like decide like you know jameson and everything um and then in looking for the part with jameson i totally missed the rest of what you had added to your backstory
7: <laughs> yeah um
4: yeah
0: yeah so that was really the and again it was one line so that was uh that was the only major cut that you're we welcome made. yeah <laughs> <laughs> um because i i figured that everyone like me would have been like what are going on with these birds and i i think that in the moment it didn't even like register that you had said it and i just sort of like ignored it but yeah um, uh, we also i guess changed like episode to episode sort of like how we were going to tell the story like i think our original plans were um episode three we were going to do a flashback into virgil's memory and have people play uh Rookwood's who had um who had died that Virgil knew in his youth, and we decided to scrap that because uh we had gone so hard in a different direction. And uh, I think episode four they were going to have um Penny and Gale's uh, brother who had died in uh, in infancy come and just like be a part of the family who is their age and have it be fun. But mm-hmm. um again we were just focused on other things by that point, so. We decided not well, to we, do that. Well,
1: and we and we will we will get to actually do a, a, a sort we of will. A Virgil that, flashback. That
0: is very true. Uh, mm-hmm. Next week on the thirty first at eight p.m. Uh, Eastern time. Yeah, that's time. So we're at eight p.m. Eastern time. We will be doing uh, "Rooted in the Past," a Rookwood one shot in uh, Virgil's youth. Nick will be reprising his role as Virgil, but now in his like twenties. And uh, I think everyone except Garrett will be joining us, and also Saker will be joining us. I should yeah. buy a webcam for that, huh? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs>
4: yeah. And that the other cool
1: thing about that is that it'll be live streamed on Twitch. Um, so you'll get to watch us actually see us and yeah. uh, you get to watch us play live.
6: All of the awkward pauses. Yeah.
0: All of the awkward <laughs> pauses, awkward all
1: pauses. of us not knowing how to play the game.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we do it'll be know great. how to play the game now, but as we were recording, there were certainly a lot it's of moments where we had fuzzy. set. <laughs> yeah. Um
1: I know rolling doubles is bad.
0: Yeah, really. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> Luckily, I've, that's the I've only
4: thing you can do. <laughs> I mean, at the very least, Nick, you do have the benefit of your character literally can't die during that. So doubles for you yeah. don't mean anything.
1: I canonically cannot, uh, if we start with our, like two marks, that every uh, two marks? Did everybody start with, mark. marks Virgil, mark? start with two marks or one marks? I started with two marks. So uh, yeah, I canonically can't gain more than two marks, uh, more than an, an, one additional mark. During that session,
0: <laughs> yeah mm. um yeah,
1: we'll see if the dice agree <laughs>
6: yeah <laughs> really,
0: um. I did actually, though, kind of going off of what you were saying, I did actually leave a fair bit of, like, long pauses in during, like, dramatic moments, like, when mm-hmm. at the end of episode one, when Alistair's just sort of, like, hyperventilating between these couple seconds pauses, because I thought that that just sounded, like, so good and so, like, what yeah. I was looking for. So sometimes I just left them and let them roll, but um, a lot of them were cut out. But, um, okay, let's let's see what another good question is um oh here's a here's a fun one uh nick and chelsea what do you think would have happened to your characters if they didn't have such a shocking argument <laughs> oh, Shocking. <laughs>
1: nice <laughs> um i don't know i don't think virgil had that many more years left anyway <laughs> i know
0: yeah I, I think that both of them would have ultimately died in some way i think that's I I I like
2: how they did die, but... I think even if it was an at Virgil's hand, Gail would have probably found a way to die that night. Why? (laughs) Well, because... Okay, so from Gail's perspective, right? Hashtag Gail did nothing wrong. (laughs) Hashtag Gail did nothing wrong. In one night, uh, Dad, who has abandoned the family, came back and has told her that she has not done a good job of taking care of the family, and has had the the title of kind of um not ruler but uh matriarch is what matriarch. we use matriarch of the family, taken off of her and put on penny, who to gale has done nothing for the family at all uh has had her son come out and say, "Hey, uh, you know all of that fear you have about me wanting to leave and get away from you forever uh yeah, that's all real, um all of the ghosts are mad." Uh, her husband, that she liked quite dearly, uh, now has told her that he has never loved her, and...
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh,
2: and it wants to leave as, as soon as possible, and would do anything to leave. Gail Gail is kind of, like, in this, in this moment of, like, okay, so, like, everything I've done is wrong, uh, in, in the eyes of everybody else, and there's nothing that Gail can do to make this better. What is even the point, right? <laughs>
1: God damn it, you're not supposed to make me feel bad for Gail. Now I feel bad for Gail. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hashtag Gail did nothing wrong. <laughs> that was the funny
2: thing for me, going back and listening to everything, just like, because in the moment, being in in the Gail mindset is like, okay, everybody's being mean, but that's because they're, they're awful, awful, terrible people. And then going back and, and listening, you know, being removed was like... Ouch my feelings everybody was so mean <laughs>
0: <laughs> It was like really funny so I didn't start editing episode 1 until we had um done episode 5 but going back in that um first episode, specifically the part where JC and Gail sort of like meet in the family room when JC is like reflecting being an icy teenager, where Gail like clearly softens talking to him compared to how she talked to like everyone else in the episode thus far. And JC is just like such a little shithead to her. <laughs> and I'm just in the moment it made like perfect sense. I think it summed up their relationship so well, but I'm just like, oh. Gail had a heart. <laughs> <laughs> and like
2: not that it wasn't justified, right? Gail was a hard, terrible oh, person. Yeah. Like to Gail to certainly. Interact with.
0: Yeah, Gail certainly earns, you know, every every bad, you know, feeling that was uh that was had right. towards her. But <laughs> <laughs> um okay. Do you want to go on to another question? Sure. Yeah. uh okay so that well that last one came from kitty i don't know if i said that but this one comes from mike again from nerdy pup games um if you could play the rookwoods at a different time and place where and when would it be
4: mm. uh, i mean we're already doing the whole 20s thing yeah
0: yeah yeah uh, i'm looking so, forward to
4: that yeah that, that that one's going to be interesting because like that's like an interesting time period Uh, But if I'm not mistaken, the book also mentions that like there's like a couple different origins for the family Mm -hmm. uh, and they can be like like some of them are pretty, pretty like clear cut. It's just like, yeah, you're in Victorian England and you're working for the queen, just dealing with supernatural threats. And I, I don't have the book with me right now or like up in front of me, but I I remember deliberately there being a section that talked about the Rookwoods being like a heavy metal band.
7: Yeah. Yeah. And that I thought so like, cool. Like it's
4: so out there, but it just sounds so badass. Just like, yeah, we're like um we're like a hard rock band who also kills monsters during our performances. That sounds fucking dope. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The Victorian England uh, family is sort of like the default setting. Uh but you mm-hmm. can like set it anytime, any place. Um uh, I also thought that the band one was extremely cool, but definitely not the vibe I was going for. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. right.
6: I would like to see, like, Edwardian Rookwoods. Sort of like an Edwardian England, like, sort of turn of the century. Like, very, like, I don't know, like that stiff upper lip, like, pre-First World War, like, over the top. It would be super interesting.
1: Mm -hmm. Like, Industrial Revolution age, kind of. Yeah, and this would be, like
6: late industrial revolution. Right, right, right. Like I'm thinking like nineteen thirteen, like on the verge of Europe being shattered by war, but everyone is having a great time.
1: I mean that's a cool point though, like if it like uh a Rookwood setting in Europe during either World War 1 or World War 2 would be really cool because you can hit on like different supernatural things that are happening concurrently with like the this massive global event of a world war yeah. um would be kind of cool uh World War 2 you could almost go like the Hellboy route talking about like Hitler searching for the different supernatural artifacts and yeah that that would be really kind of cool i'm going to say World War 2 yeah
0: <laughs> okay all right Garrett and Annie what do you guys think
5: I think modern day would be really cool. Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think
5: modern day spread around the world a bit, maybe, would be very
0: oh, interesting. Be mm, okay,
4: just hop into the Rookwood private jet to go hunt, hunt monsters across the globe. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <Yeah.
1: laughs> Rookwood one.
3: I wasn't thinking about like a time frame, but I was thinking like about how everything would work if you got them in a really enclosed space like on a train kind of like thinking like murder on the orient express or like on the titanic or something oh that's extremely
0: cool cool. i was thinking like like that that kind of
3: dynamic of also like trying to like you have a lot of people you don't want to get involved as well like it would add an interesting
0: component i uh I might steal that. (laughs) That That's an extremely cool idea.
6: Yeah, I would like to see, like, the same time period, like, 60s or 70s, but very different vibe with, like, CIA and KGB trying to, like, take advantage of supernatural elements or, like, even recruit Mm. the Rookwoods to, like, be part of the Cold War and, like, have some, like, super, like...
0: Yeah, that I think actually is suggested in the book that, it is, you know, yeah. going that route but doing um like, you know, Cold War stuff like spies and things mm-hmm. like that, but um I was more intrigued by like the seventies movie trope of like the call coming from inside the house. Like yeah. that's sort of like mm. where where I live when I, you know, listen to media and stuff like that, but um yeah. Um here's another question from Kitty. Uh, Garrett and Chelsea, why did Gail and Alistair get married? Um, and was it always just for self interest with Alistair? Uh,
5: yes, it was always for self interest for Alistair. Um, Hashtag Alistair did everything
1: wrong. <laughs>
5: um, Alistair did most things wrong. Yes, he did. Um, why did they get married? Uh, from Al- I mean, from Alistair's point of view, it was because he wanted an in with the family, Um, he saw an opportunity to get rich and get knowledge beyond his wildest dreams, and he made himself very presentable for a uh, single and available Gale.
0: Yeah.
4: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Did you have like a uh, like anything in your in your little backstory that you sent Fiona that was just like the thing that put Alistair on the the Rookwood like like they have they, there's a lot to learn from them I should go for it.
5: Um, he had a colleague, if I remember correctly, um, who was in New York and had told him some things uh, about a very odd family living up in New Haven. And that sort of turned him onto the scent.
4: Okay.
1: That tracks, I think.
0: Yeah. Um Chelsea, do you sort of like agree with that assessment or Uh
2: I mean from, from Alice, Alistair's perspective, that sounds like exactly what happened. Gail, uh, as much as everybody thinks that she was a cold hearted person with no feelings, um, probably did very deeply care about Alistair. Mm-hmm. Um, what I think drew Gale to Alistair was that, um, he was not like, uh, we made the joke about Gale having a type, but, um, George was like a businessman and Paul was an artist and, um, Timothy- And Ringo was the drummer, <laughs> <guy. laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, and Tim was also like, a a different kind of- business or something like that and obviously that didn't work so turning from you know those kind of romantic like you know the business guy who has all the money and will take care of me or the artist who has feelings and emotions and will be able to like feel with me to an academic who's like uh, of course this person's really smart he'll be able to get me right yeah
6: mm-hmm. he
7: maybe
2: uh, got you oh uh, he did
0: get you yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did get you he really got you Um, But I think that that leads in nicely to another question for Chelsea uh, from Kitty, which is, uh, did Gail tell Paul about the supernatural and when did she officially turn her back on the family business?
2: Um, Gail would have turned her back um, when dad, quote unquote, died, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because as as it happened, it was this event that I don't know ever was really explained to, to Penny or Gail. Where just, he he and mom were just gone. Um, and at that point it was like, okay, so we've seen, not only, you know, heard all these horrible stories about dad's relatives and Virg's relatives, you know, die horribly due to this thing. Uh, now it has taken the only people that are supposed to be caring for us. Uh, no more. There will be no more. <laughs> yeah. Um, And Gail probably would have never told paul about the supernatural stuff i don't Mm -hmm. think any of any of the previous husbands would have known
0: okay i dig that um poor paul (laughs) yeah like like riff really did bring like such a personality to that character that you really only meet for about 30 seconds but Uh uh-huh it it was
2: like exactly what i imagined when i was writing the scene too it was just so good
0: yeah um Okay, I'm going to bop one to Nick. Uh, why did, This is from oh. Kitty. Uh, why didn't Verge do the monster hunting thing? And how specifically, how involved or uninvolved was he with monster hunting in his youth? Uh,
1: yeah, I had been doing some thinking about this, especially when we were talking about doing the Gen Con thing where we're going to see Virgil in his, in his youth. Um, I think he was tangentially involved with it, but um, Virgil's biggest asset is his brain. Um, And it was always his brother that had the brawn actually had the ability to fight monsters. And while I think Virgil uh often helped in investigations and kind of providing insight and almost being that like the equivalent of that, like guy in the chair on these monster hunting operations. I think he just like due to like his own self-esteem issues, super undervalued his contributions. Like, you know, yeah, he might, he might've, put all the pieces together but he was never actually the one to go fight anything so he just kind of discredited everything he did he's like well i don't fight monsters they fight monsters and that just kind of expanded to him you know just like he never he never identified as a monster hunter even if he was like tangentially involved with it and then especially after his brother quote unquote died um there wasn't anything motivating him to continue doing that sort of thing. And he always had his own interests pulling him elsewhere anyway. Um, or at the very least, that's, that's kind of how I envision it. I don't know if that's, that tracks with uh, kind of how I've presented him or not, but that's kind of what I've had in my mind.
6: What I feel is like an interesting irony of that almost is mm-hmm. that Virgil's abilities are more directly combat useful right. than right. Uh, Rickwood. would. So, mm-hmm. I, to me, that's super interesting. That it almost goes to show that, like, the powers you get aren't like who you are. They don't like define your character. Mm-hmm. They're just sort of plopped on you, and you kind of deal with them. But they don't like determine mm-hmm. your personality.
4: Right. Do you think there was any like resentment from the uh, the family towards him for sort of taking a, a guy in the chair role? I I oh, don't yes. know. I like.
1: <laughs> oh, you think? You, probably. <laughs>
4: Uh, oh I,
1: yes. <laughs> I I think Virgil would have done his best to put it out of mind but it's like uh I like he was still helping you know but it's like he didn't you know he wasn't a fighter in his mind and therefore he he didn't think he would be any use. Um
7: Yeah, you
0: know. I th- I will answer for for daddy mm-hmm. and I think that that was something that daddy like really greatly resented about Virgil um <laughs> was that he uh-huh. felt like he had to make um these big sacrifices including losing his wife Doris uh and Virgil was just sort of like I'm going to go study electricity in I don't know even where Virgil was going but um, Virgil
1: Vir- Virgil traveled to a lot of places to yeah. talk to experts in that field and stuff because that was always his uh it always was his like first like interest even before he got his curse he got his curse because of his fascination with like electricity and, th- and that sort of thing
0: yeah and i thought that was a really interesting sort of like uh because virgil really valued and cared for his brother and i th- i think that you know dad probably felt the same way about virgil but he there was definitely some anger there, some you know pretty major mm-hmm. resentment that we didn't really get into uh just because Dad was only there for like
1: Right, a little I think it bit, came through a little bit, it definitely you know? came through yeah right. well i i made i i in those scenes, I was like constantly like the way I was wording stuff, I was intentionally wording it in a way where even when Virgil was beginning to accept that he's made mistakes and accept that things need to change, he was still wording things in a way of like, well, they've made mistakes, the rest of the family not right me. uh, yeah. and that was very intentional on my point um on my part, and uh i and i I like that uh. Yeah you know, the dad character um, picked up on that and called called Virgil on his bullshit because that yeah. needed to happen.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, even Elias, like, called Virgil out. I think he specifically called you, like, pretty selfish for, yeah. you know, just sort of abandoning the family business, letting everyone mm-hmm. else uh, make these sacrifices while well, you took, like, family resources and just sort of, like you know, um, goofed off for however many years and then when uh Gail and Penny lose their parents, you come back, but you're just sort of like idly complaining about how the family has fallen while still just like tinkering in your lab. And that was one of the things I thought was like so fascinating about Virgil. But Yeah. Yeah. Um this is for Gail and Penny and also sort of me and Tom uh from Kitty. What happened to Gail and Penny's mom, uh Doris Rookwood?
3: Well I think Chelsea already said that it was never fully explained to us.
2: Yeah, so from from Yale and Penny's perspective it was just like suddenly poof everybody was gone and we were
0: alone. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Um. So I will elaborate. I don't know if Tom remembers us, us talking about this. Uh, what I remember how- we
6: talked about it. I don't remember what we decided.
0: Yeah. Um. So Virgil was correct. There was in fact an urn. Um. It was it was Doris's urn. Uh. Because. They were fighting the supernatural and um, this was actually when dad's curse manifested or when the marks came up uh, everyone presumes that you're dead in that fight he gained that mark and also Doris died Um, so there was an urn of her ashes that they kept in the family room which is what uh, Virgil would be referring to and why didn't it say that you know things were just a little bit off that there was like something missing Mm -hmm. because dad had uh, taken the urn and moved it elsewhere so yeah that's what happened to her Um, oh here's a good one from me Um, if you could redo the game whose character other than your own would you want to play instead
1: Alistair
5: yeah
3: (laughs) (laughs) hey everyone wants to play Alistair
5: (laughs) he was something
4: (laughs) he was something uh, no, I it, think Alistair fits, like, the niche of what I want to do a lot of times in games, which is just cause problems on purpose. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, uh, you're in that,
1: and, and Garrett did such a great job of this, is that you're just that, like, completely out of your element, straight man mm-hmm. character. You know, uh, where everything sort of happens to you, and things need explained to you, mm-hmm. and you kind of be a conduit for the audience at that point, but like, with Alistair specific, specifically, he's also just a huge asshole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, he was. Yes, he was. Um,
5: I'd like to... I'd probably want to play Virgil. Uh, buddy, I'd want to be a crotchety it. old man. We did trade. Yeah. I'd <laughs> want to be crotchety old man who's a hypocrite.
3: Well, wasn't a yeah. crotchety old man your first like character idea?
5: Yes, was it? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to be. I wanted to be like a like an in law still, but like a like an old like a grandpa or something. Grandpa, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Grandpa, even like older than Virgil, that would have just been yeah. like completely disruptive and mm-hmm.
1: yeah, yeah. I I, I called dibs on the crotchety old man. Yeah, <laughs> you got
7: it. See, like
0: when I thought of this question, my first instinct was I would want to be Penny. But then I'm like, mm-hmm. that would be so hard to just have the clapbacks all the time. So I would want to be JC. Yeah. <laughs>
7: <laughs> yeah
0: I think JC I'd would also cool want to be JC.
1: Who's a snarky teenager.
6: Yeah.
2: yeah.
4: It was a lot of fun.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tom, who would you want to be? I think we heard from everyone except you.
4: Who would I want
6: to be? Like on the show? Um, I don't know. I don't usually play gender bent characters, but probably Gale, honestly.
3: What's fair? Gale is Gale. Gale I like, okay also want to be Gale.
1: There's a lot to mm. dig into.
3: Yeah, Gale. Well, just the whole
1: Who wouldn't want to play a character that just eats their problems?
3: Yeah, <laughs> rolling out of control and losing control at the same time.
6: Well, oh, if we're going with like an OC, I'm inspired by the idea of like an in law crotchety old man to be like this. Just like total hillbilly bumpkin who sits on the porch playing banjo.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Howdy, y'all. I'm Dale Rookwood. Yeah,
6: exactly.
2: Gail is constantly pulling him inside. Please stay inside. People will look. (laughs) But
6: then, like, just sort of Mr. Magoo's his way through monster fighting.
0: Yeah, like the Beverly Hillbillies, (laughs) but it's the Rookwoods. Sounds like a beautiful thing. Yeah, he's like like, literally blind.
6: The Rookwoods were all from West Virginia. (laughs) Accidentally walks into a room and tries to, like, I don't know, like, cut some vegetables and, like, kills a vampire somehow. <laughs> well, all the actually, I'm gonna, serious stuff happens around
1: I'm going to change my, my answer to that earlier question instead of World War 2 I want to play Hillbilly Rookwoods in West Virginia nice. Nice.
4: <laughs> they're, they're just trying to find and hunt down Mothman yeah get up
5: there pull that moonshine kill that monster uh,
6: Hillbilly Rookwoods West Virginia but they don't actually have any powers they just think they do <laughs> <laughs> and there are no monsters they just are
1: looking for their.' they're just drinking they're some real. damn good moonshine yeah
0: <laughs> the only
1: curse that's passed down here is our lazy eye <laughs> um,
0: so on the note of characters uh, this is from Mike from Nerdy Pup Games uh, what RPG character have you played who's the least like your curse character
1: oh, man,
4: all of them? <laughs> <laughs> JC is sort of very on-brand for the type of characters I play. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I
0: was going to say, I'm not sure what the answer would be for Dan. Just but I, I actually do
4: have an answer uh, because uh, uh, my friend Emerson, who I, uh, most of you are familiar with to my knowledge, uh, he started a Curse of Strahd game and I'm playing a character in that who is like, very much just like, yeah, everything's going to go great. Like, yeah, sure, we're told not to trust people, but if you're nice enough to them, you can just trust them with literally anything. Uh, And it's been... uh, Because I do typically tend to play characters who are very lying, like, they lie a lot, they connive, which is very on-brand for, like, me as a person. I do just, like, break out pretty recently, and uh, Mm -hmm. why would I lie? It's... uh, It could actually... It's either more beneficial to not do that, or it's just going to cause problems I don't want to, so... I'll just tell the truth, even if people don't want to hear it.
3: Um play very sarcastic characters, because that's just <laughs> I'm a very sarcastic person. Um, it's such a curse.
7: <laughs> <laughs>
3: I actually I asked Garrett, who is my DM for my Curse of Strahd game, and he says that he thinks Ash is probably least like Penny of all my other RPG characters because Ash is still sarcastic, and while they both care about their family, Ash actually cares on the outside, whereas Penny very much buries it under all the sarcasm.
0: Yeah.
5: Um, most of my characters tend to be the mom or the dad of the party, and (laughs) (laughs) um, you don't say. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I'm I a D and D leader, I suppose, sometimes. But yeah, Alistair is not at all that, so <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, uh most of my characters tend to be uh um the very like front lines uh you know action oriented uh type characters like uh, I enjoy playing rogues and paladins and the ones that are going to be you know the the first one to jump into the action on stuff, so playing playing Virgil was a huge departure from the types of characters I usually play, but it was a lot of fun
2: I'm trying to think about what my answer would be. Because I, I have a type that's like boiled down to the same like five backstory beats that all of my characters are <laughs> uh, they've all got different window dressing, but they've all they're all uh, emotionally stunted because of losing a lover that somehow they were involved in. like that that is the character that I play. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I guess probably if if I was going to pick a character I've played that is the opposite of Gale, um, a lot of my experiences with um, Vampire the Masquerade, and um, I have a Malkavian character named Aubrey Buchanan, and um, whereas she was very, you know, has a lot of family trauma built into her character, and being a Malkavian, she's got this, like, um... You know, uh like like mental block almost. Um uh, whereas Gail is like a very hard and and distrustful and cynical character. Aubrey became very innocent and childlike.
0: My sweet baby Aubrey. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that would probably be the, the most unlike Gail.
0: Yeah, I can definitely see that. Uh Tom, this one is for you and me, from Kitty. Okay. Um, what was your vision for the story and what made you decide to have guests as NPCs?
6: Well, the story was really your vision, I think.
0: Yeah, you you definitely helped, like, I, I sort of had an overarching vision and because I had never uh, GMed before, you sort of helped me, like, episode to episode figure out what beats we would hit. Um, I had, like, a Word document that was usually about page long for each episode that just had... Different places I wanted to get yeah. to in the episode, and uh, we did a really good job of getting to each of those places in the amount of time that I wanted to.
6: Yeah, I mean that's usually my role, both with this podcast and with Void Fair. Mm-hmm. Is I'm not really the the creative vision person on either of those. I'm more of like the like the the bounce the ideas around, kind of edit it down, or help like put a little bit of backbone and structure on what is you know coming in as a little bit of an unstructured idea it's like my role is more i think it's more like editor than author
1: yeah i mean it's an important like role in that like writer's room like type thing which is very much the way i preferred like developing creative ideas is that writer's room style where we can yeah. bounce ideas around and even though i'm kind of bringing to the table like a, a initial vision being able to bounce those ideas and let it evolve through discussion is is my preferred way of doing things plus tom you're there to to develop you know macroeconomic models for for dwarven nations <laughs> <Yeah.
0: So. laughs> um, but my my sort of vision for the story so when we were answering the game's seven curse questions which is when when everyone listening to this buy the buys the book, I know you all will, uh you start out with your <laughs> whole like cast of characters answering the seven curse questions, which establishes like why the family's cursed, who the progenitor was, in this case it was Elias making a deal with witches, um, and then a couple other things that Inform your family's history, and um, so while we were answering those, um, I I had the idea in mind that I wanted it to be very much. Well, I wanted it to be about ghosts. Um, i wanted it to be that trope of like the call coming from inside the house like follow the house of usher where the house is almost uh its own character and then as we were answering the curse questions everyone was like we don't want to be monster hunters and i'm like okay we're making like kind of a canonical work about this game uh (laughs) because you know it's so new and everything and it's about being monster hunters so i'm like we have to have that pretty heavily um pushing everyone towards their family destiny of being monster hunters so i'm like okay the family ghost so that's that's their goal is that they want them to uh go back to what they see as like the right and proper way of doing things um and then And then Chelsea, I'm 99% sure it was Chelsea when she heard body horror was like, yeah, they like use their family to decorate the house. And I'm like, okay, now even more reason for the family to be like ever (laughs) present and the house to be like its own character. Um, And I'm hoping that that all sort of got through uh, in the game. But having uh, people record voices for NPCs, there was like sort of a practical reason for that, which was that like... I'm not super good at character voices unless they're like super annoying character voices. (laughs) And I'm really good at those. Um, And also in the first episode, I wanted a surprise uh, to have um, Garrett react to, uh, you know, um, Elias's voice and to, to kind of like shift his perspective a little bit from just like, Oh yeah, you know, we're, we're playing this game to, like, add an extra level of immersion with it. Um, and then in subsequent episodes, I was, like, sort of trying to, um, like, write out, basically, like, mapped dialogue trees I think people could do. I'm just, like, I'm just gonna have everyone record their voices later. This doesn't make any sense to do, but, um, so that was the start of it. And then it sort of turned into, okay, every NPC has a voice except for the one where their memories uh, or their perception is being manipulated in some way. Um, so that's like the phone call, uh, Doris, and, uh, cu- and the memory in the first episode with uh, Dad because it wasn't really what happened. So, yeah, that's... There was a practical and then eventually an artistic reason why we had other people (laughs) voicing NPCs. (laughs) And also we wanted so many people to be involved with this because it was super fun. And we like to work with all of our friends. But yeah.
6: I do think it is a fun detail that that first episode was the only one where we had the... uh extra voice lines pre-recorded
0: yeah because it was a scripted scene that alistair couldn't really get involved with he just sort of like had to be a passive observer in it and i think that he had like a really great moment after that where he grabs the dictation device and starts like hyperventilating into it but uh after that it didn't make any sense for me to have like have people record the lines beforehand
6: It was funny, though, because Fiona had the lines and she really wanted to um, play them over our call during the session. And she was like, how do I do this? I'm like, well, you could get like a virtual audio cable and like do this crazy tool chain that can like link this recorded audio into Discord and play it somehow. Or you can hold your phone up to the mic (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and
5: that is what we did <laughs> um just to note that was that was legit a surprise i had no clue that was coming um and it was a good surprise too
0: good i'm, I'm glad that was that was what i wanted i had told you i think that at the end of the episode we're gonna do like an alistair moment and that was also sort of my goal this sort of fell apart a little bit but then got back on track in the last two episodes i think we're like I wanted every episode to sort of like spotlight on a particular character so um the first episode was going to be Alistair JC and the second one which I think is pretty obvious um, the third one was supposed to be Virgil and it really wasn't, but Nick talked so much that I sort of didn't feel too bad about it. That's fine. <laughs> that is fair.
3: And that was supposed to be originally the flashback <laughs>
0: episode where we go back into his memory, and that was going to be like most of the episode because I also wanted to like show off um what the game is like intended to be where you're like having to really like drag out your skeletons to regain lost dice and stuff which we really didn't hit on at all because uh, Mm -hmm. because we don't know how to play now we do know how to play but (laughs) (laughs) but it just wasn't uh what the ultimate goal was um we wanted to have a very like drama heavy and very low dice rolling sort of experience and i think that we we did that pretty well speaking of that though uh here's a question for everyone because we never got to it uh what was everyone's skeletons on their character sheets
6: well, you call people out by name just yeah. to get us through it. Yeah, and skeletons,
0: <laughs> um, they are ways for players to regain lost dice. So at several points, we had uh, people lose dice for rolling doubles. And to regain those dice, you basically have to do something like go fight with your brother or whatever. Um, Nicholas, what was <laughs> what was Virgil's skeletons?
1: Uh, Hold on. I actually need to look it up. Uh, I, I have a vague idea, but I want to make sure I'm not
0: uh, Okay, who has their long. character sheet ready?
4: I do, and I was actually going to go first, because okay. mine, mine actually did come up.
0: Okay, Dan, uh, why don't you uh, tell us what your skeletons are?
4: Uh, JC's was uh, to just leave the family. Uh, that was, like, the desire. Uh, and my skeleton was that Alistair knew, and I was trying to stop him from telling people. And then yeah. he told everybody. Yeah.
0: And he did tell everyone, yeah, <laughs> episode four. He told everyone, yeah, oh. <laughs> um, or episode three. I forget which one. Uh, who has their character sheet up next and would like to go?
1: I did. I did find mine. Okay. Um. So. Uh. So yeah. My. Um, like my desire was basically, uh, and I and I think it was pretty clear the whole time, was to focus on my own research and electricity and that sort of thing way more than like the the actual like family monster hunting stuff. Um, my skeleton was actually a rivalry with Alistair and that was, you know, inspired by the fact that Alistair thought he was so smart. Um, just because he has pieces of paper um to, to prove it. Um and uh and 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 I think I think that did come out, but uh I never got any dice back for it because um I only that only happened when uh I like show up Alistair in front of JC um, so anytime Virgil had, like, good one-liners or anything, they were really, like, you know, stuck it to Alistair. JC ha- wasn't happen- didn't happen to be there. Um, so, uh, that just never, never really came out.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, who else has theirs up?
5: I do. Um, my main one was, of course, that I married into the family to study them, um and to eventually publish some sort of work about what i found out um a lot a lot of my stuff also had to do with like relating to JC trying to get him to trust me um and trying to get him to sort of keep his mother together um, sorry about that uh, <laughs> yeah no um, th- things worked out more or less as he thought they might or well Maybe not quite as he thought they might, but um, with revealing that JC wanted to leave and that Alistair was studying everything, it it was to create as much chaos as possible and to, uh, you know, get the hell out of there.
3: So, mine was also, like, a rivalry, and, like, while I was reading it, um, reading about making your skeleton, I kind of made mine more about, like, just basically, it's all... I think mine really came out, just not in the traditional, the way it was written. So, like, I wanted to do everything that I could to disrupt Gail's obsession with perfection and basically undermine her, thinking that I would make the better Rookwood heiress. So, like, I... And then I tried to make, like, all my bones to, like, interact with the other three characters. Mm -hmm. So, like... I wanted to encourage and enable J.C. acting out and point out all of Gale's neuroses to Alistair and, you know, make cases to Virgil that I would be the better heiress. And (laughs) so, I, you know, I wrote my spade and, like, my skeleton actually got buried because in the end, Gale did get so devastatingly hurt by Alistair, J.C., or someone else that she loves that she completely gave in to her Ruckwood curse. So mine completely got buried and
0: resolved. Yeah, and I find that so interesting, too, because, like, Penny was really the last bastion of defense against Gale losing it, like, right at the end. Like, she was the one that was like, Gale, like, hold it together for, like, four (laughs) seconds. So, I like that. Yeah, Um, she kind of, like, almost went back on it.
6: That's what makes her, like, a good heiress.
0: Yeah. Actually,
3: Penny, (laughs) um, I actually told Chelsea this. I didn't tell everyone. Penny's words were very, cho- like, carefully chosen in the end. Um, while she may have appeared to be like, Gale, you need to calm down, uh, she purposely uh, revealed that she had used successfully used her curse um, in a major way, knowing that it would set Gale off even more. Ooh. Uh-huh. Which is so good. <laughs>
0: this is why we love Penny. This is why we stand yeah. Penny.
3: <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was very carefully chosen as I was listening to everything play out. The only other thing that I had wanted to do but it had resolved itself was when it looked like Jaycee might have been in the line of fire, she would have used her crows and ravens to like protect him, make a yeah. shield. yeah.
0: Yeah, we had them sort of, like, coming in at, like, the very last second in the fight, but, Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, excuse me, and I think that leaves Chelsea? Yeah,
2: um, so my desire was to find some kind of love outside of the family. Uh and you know that didn't that didn't work Sorry out. Sorry about that. <laughs> you know. Sorry. <laughs> um but the spine of my skeleton was that I was desperately in need of approval from JC. Uh which I know, shocking to everyone.
7: <laughs>
2: um and I guess in the end her skeleton sort of got buried as well. And the fact that you know when she kind of you know lost it at the end there, um when j c was standing up trying to be like, "No, I am going to be the one who 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 does all this, and Gail, in her mind was like, "Okay, I must protect you, you're doing something dangerous. I can't let you kill yourself. That would be bad mm-hmm. um, she kind of in the end refuses to help j c do what he wants to do um and that is one of the ways that um." this this spike gets buried yeah okay. Ow.
1: It. <laughs> and, and actually looking at my character sheet i think my skeleton was technically buried as well because even though i had a, a rivalry with alistair one of the ways that that is buried is i ask my rival for help when i need it and in in the scene when we're investigating the family's history and the stuff going on in that room alistair literally asks uh uh or um virgil literally asked alistair to help look into the different uh, newspaper clippings and to help research what what the fuck is going on there uh and you know in the story perspective i think that was because virgil like knew that the the fam- like the ghosts would not let alistair leave so he might as well make the best of that situation um but actually having my character sheet in front of me now i think that would have technically buried that skeleton yeah. I think we were just far more focused on just telling a cool story than actually
2: right yeah looking
1: at any of the mechanics <laughs>
0: <laughs> well i mean the mechanics came through our storytelling though. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 Like I we, think were talking... we all were
1: following our skeletons and spines and stuff pretty right. well it's just, we were talking
0: yeah. in the last episode that like if, if you mm-hmm. know what the system is you like can sort of guess what people's like skeletons and everything uh were mm-hmm. but yeah we didn't really like mechanically talk about it uh like Chelsea said earlier we almost like blared the line into like radio drama um where Mm -hmm. we were just like the fact that we were playing a game was like a little bit secondary to everything but this game really does like provide extremely cool mechanics that um that really encourage you to go and like fight with your siblings and everything and i think that that part definitely came through in our in our play um since we have so many questions, I'm going to cut it down to a lot of, like four questions that I think were really interesting. And then maybe if we went to later, we can answer them over Twitter or something. Um, but uh, so this is for Dan. Uh, when did JC's curse manifest and why did he keep it a secret for so long?
4: Uh, I don't think I ever settled on like an actual decision. Uh, but looking back at things, because I had I had an idea in mind for prior to what I thought uh, was the situation with Jameson, uh, but now, like, afterwards, uh, having that not been the case, uh, it was probably shortly after he, he sort of joined the the little Druidic cult that he was in, and, like, the first encounter, like, major encounter with the supernatural was what, like, spurned it on. As like, okay, cool, you're, like, actually interacting with this now. This is your first interaction since the family had, like, not interacted with it in so long or, like, desperately went out of their way to avoid it. Uh, so that was probably, like, the catalyst. And then... not telling anybody about it was... It, because the family knows, or at least at the, at the time, Virgil knows what certain powers do to some extent. Um, mm-hmm. Letting anybody know that it's here means that i lose like i lose the surprise of it all like yeah if virgil knows then like there there is a chance that i do something he goes ah cool your curse and i just go ah fuck there went that (laughs) Uh, but uh a, a lot of it was the whole concept that uh if people underestimate you and you are far better than they're assuming that you can very easily get somebody get get one over on them like i like in the in like the worst circumstance uh for the uh collector fight uh which is when i was going to use it for the first time uh but then penny was just like all right birds fuck it up and that went really <laughs> well um, i was gonna i was like i was gonna just look around for puddles and then just basically uh because a puddle is a reflection i was mm-hmm. going to like basically stomp into the reflection to like disrupt the whole thing and hurt the uh, hurt the collector Uh, but that didn't happen Uh, and I was gonna be like yeah cool check out this cool power I have that I just used to kill this thing I'm like super ready to be a monster hunter now Yeah. and then later that day I know like later in the week uh, most of my family died so
0: (laughs) 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 oh poor JC Um, I tried so hard to fix things in the end I know uh, speaking of JC, we have sort of like a question for the future from Kitty. Uh, will JC ever have biological kids? And then for me, is the curse biological? The answer is yes. In the Curse of the House of Brookwood game, the curse is in fact biological. If you're married into the family or adopted into the family, it does not affect you. Uh,
4: I I don't know. Um, I mean, realistically, probably because... I don't think JC would want the sort of the family to die out. Uh, And while adoption is like a completely valid option, like I think part of JC would be worried that the ghost would be like, all right, that's cool and all, but when are you going to have actual Rookwoods? (laughs) Um, So the answer is probably yes. Uh, There is probably the fear that they are going to uh, develop a... Uh the probably the worst case scenario for JC is uh two kids, one has uh Gail's curse, the other has whatever Virgil had, and <laughs> he just sits there and waits mm-hmm. for history to repeat itself. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> poor poor JC. Huh,
1: um, like, huh, you're gonna kill each other, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, going back to uh the beginning back in February when we were planning this game all out, uh, what was the character making process like for everyone and how did everyone decide their relationships and roles to uh each other? Well, if
2: I'm remembering correctly, it was really convenient when we were all like we sat down and we were like, Well, I kind of want to play uh, this kind of character. And it was like, Well, I wanna play like a mom character, and Nick wants to be an old guy, and it all just <laughs> kind of was like Yes, these are the characters we are playing. Everything is good. And we all just kind of like naturally kind of fit into what what roles we played.
3: Well, my initial thought was to play like a teen as well, but I figured we really only needed one Inksy teen. So that's why I I went with the, the aunt and she actually changed a lot from my initial concept, but I like how Penny came out.
4: Agreed. We yeah. all like how Penny came out. Yeah. <laughs> I think the only reason I picked being a teenager is because of the group, I am the youngest. Yep. Uh, you are the baby. So I figured I would just like roll into that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that's entirely fair. I know that. And I'm, and and I'm the right? oldest.
1: So that just tracks.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah i know that nick and garrett both were like sort of like oh i kind of want to be an an old guy and then um <laughs> nick did in fact be an old guy <laughs>
1: <laughs> well i like coming up with my character concept like i wanted to do that like like that uncle fester type but mm-hmm. like inspired by um like dr frankenstein and uh and you know like just in general like that that sort of thing um so, uh, you know, kind of bringing that element to the to that you know those tropes to the story a little bit, so that's how we kind of loosely landed on what Virgil ended up being,
0: yeah, um, anyone else want to chime in?
5: um, I think I'd mentioned earlier, but I always planned on being a non cursed like outsider of the family sort of thing um so that plan was always there, but when the the old the old man claim was taken, um, I can't, which I mean that's fine. I mean I'm I'm very very happy with what ended up. Um, I kind of just sort of got this idea in my head of this um, this asshole who <laughs> was gonna just try and divide the family from the inside out at some point through the story, and Alistair just kind of came from that. So
0: yeah. I, I loved Al. I, I was so happy that someone decided to not be a Rook-Lead. Um So we got to see like that aspect of the game too. Uh, so very last question. And we do have like a list of maybe like almost 10 other questions that I'm sure that we'll answer and put somewhere. Um,
1: Thank you everybody who asked questions. Yeah.
0: <laughs> which was <kiddie. laughs> Kitty. Kitty. Thank you, Kitty.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, Kitty.
0: I tried to get through most of your questions. Um, also, thank you, Kitty, for live tweeting. That was yeah, that a was total great. experience yeah, yes. writing
2: that. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I really enjoyed the live tweets. This um, episode sponsored
4: by Caitlin McClendon. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: okay, so very last question, which is from me: um, Is there any part of your character or backstory that didn't come up during gameplay that you would like to talk about now?
6: The fucking
4: bluebird thing, I guess. Yeah, we already <laughs> talked about the bluebird thing. <laughs> I, I honestly yeah. feel like if uh if it were if we had the option of going like a decent bit longer, 'cause like five episodes is good, like really got like the feel of the game out. Uh mm-hmm. I would have liked to have like uh the little Druidic cult actually have some sort of uh impact of like it's inherently supernatural and they're probably going to cause some sort of issue uh and right. being a member of the Rookwoods means that you are spiritually inclined to solve that issue so uh figure out where you stand on this champ see ya yeah (laughs) yeah i
1: think i think everything i think everything in virgil's backstory um of importance came out um you know his relationship with his brother and his family and the the family in general um and his his research and the obsession with Desla's tower and electricity in general. I I I can't think of anything that I wrote that that didn't come out.
0: Anyone else?
5: Um, I was I was actually skimming through mine real quick because it had been a hot minute, and <laughs> um, I had forgotten for a minute, but certainly remember since I read it that Alistair was married before Gale.
0: Yeah, that's where a uh, lot of his bitterness came from. Was his first exactly. Marriage.
5: Yeah, yeah. Um. He he. pretty much didn't believe in love anymore. He didn't think that it was possible for him, or really for anyone, to truly be in love, that it was just this psychological effect that people went through, and that was part of what spirited his anger and his just cold, just, you know, whatever, I'm gonna research these people, and who cares what they think?
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's
3: that explains
2: the, like, the real frigid coldness after, mm-hmm. you know, the secret was revealed, right? Yeah. Because even listening back, I think in the moment it didn't register to me because it was just like, oh, well, I'm an awful person, so of course he's being real mad to me. But just oh. listening back um, this week was like, wow, he's being, like, super vicious, what's up
0: with that? Yeah, he, like, really <laughs> tried to hit Gail as hard as he could with some of that stuff. <laughs>
4: yeah, like, the mm-hmm. the listen back of all the episodes, it was, like, astonishing. Uh, cause like when you're in the moment, it's, it's all happening and you're not really paying uh-huh. attention to a whole, whole lot. Uh, but like listening back, I was like, fuck, we aren't like, we weren't okay in the first place. We're even worse than I expected. <laughs> 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 yeah,
2: yeah. True. yeah not really. remotely.
1: Okay. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, Something in, in Gail's backstory that, like, came out but would have been cool to, like, examine a little bit further was, um, you know, it was revealed that Gail had eaten her husband's and um, her other son. And that was, like, quickly, like, oh, this is traumatic, but that's a later problem. <laughs> yeah.
7: <laughs>
2: um, But it would have been cool to, like, have a scene where, or, you know, whatever, where... He- gail sat down with jc or alistair or whoever and was like explained the the thought process behind that
4: that would have been such a good conversation it would have have
2: been really intense (laughs) because it it would have been an extra layer of oh this is how like desperate gail's you know desire for somebody to to love her unconditionally became and like how how not okay Gail is yeah, yeah
4: cuz like like i i briefly mentioned it that like towards the end i was jc was trying to like uh find a happy medium and a happy ending for all of this right uh, and that conversation would have been like probably the thing that was the uh the deciding factor like ah uh, is it possible for things to work out or are we just fucked
0: right yeah um Is there anything you think, Tom, that we had talked about that didn't really come out that you thought was interesting?
6: Nothing I'm thinking of right now, honestly. I mean, I think that we did a good job bringing everything out in the show.
0: Yeah.
3: I think the only thing for Penny, though, would be, um, like, we had assets, and, like, her one mark that she (laughs) came into the game with was actually Kleptomania. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't much, like, she's, like, really proficient pickpocket, because she likes the shiny things, and she likes to take trinkets and tokens from all of her time out, but, I mean, she definitely was much deeper than I was anticipating to play.
0: Yeah, I... I'll say it, I've said it once, I'll say it a million times, I love Penny so much. (laughs) Yeah, we, like, I, I will say that Penny's backstory was just, like, so cute, like, she did the little, like, ocean quiz thing with it, and it was just, like, I, I just really liked her backstory so much, so we sort of, like, based episode four as much as we could around it, um, and that, you know, being only hour-long episodes in a very short series, like, a series that probably really was, in essence, like, a super long one-shot. It was only about six hours long. Um, but, yeah. So we tried to get as much as we could of everyone's backstories in, but uh, there were little things that were missed. I, I I'm not sure if this came through super clearly, but, um, I will answer that question a little bit too for uh Dad was that dad um one of the marks of his curse was that no one is quite sure who you are, so I took that quite um and played with it a little bit, so like he would leave penny gifts, which is why she associated with him with uh rookery and uh the fire and the smoking and everything was why Virgil thought he had a burning heart and such, but yeah. I mean even now no one's no one's quite sure about dad. What yeah. is what is dad's name? Yeah. Uh obviously his name is. Ah, uh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <naturally>. It's <laughs> a, a great, great
3: family name. <laughs> yeah. The one that's passed down time and time again.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh his his name is not michael uh he i I was i was actually thinking that people would ask this during uh your interaction with dad but no one did uh he he named himself after like michael the archangel which is not a name that came up in rookwood family history but that he thought was significant for various reasons um so Uh yeah that's fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, we we did not give Dad a name. We always just called him like Dad or Daddy. I think on his uh, on his character sheet, I oh I guess I put Michael. I didn't put uh, Dad, but in most of my in most of my notes, he's just Dad.
2: Good old Dad Rookwood. Dad Rookwood. <laughs> Though speaking of his name, one of my favorite parts, um, in I think it was episode four was Verge, Penny, and Gale playing the name game. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like, it, it's such like an innocent thing in this like awful dark story. And they're like, okay, we're going to write down the name and see if any uh-huh. of
1: us yeah. match. And then And then Penny and Gale totally not playing right. It's like, hey, we're just going to make <laughs> yeah. something up. And I'm like, this is this is terrible experiment. Like, hey,
7: this isn't going to work at all. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um. And I think that that's going to be all of our questions that we get for now. Um, keep an eye out if we answer the rest of them at some point. But I think that right now, Chelsea has a very special announcement.
2: Uh, yes, if you've enjoyed um, Fables Around the Table curse, I hope that you will join us in a couple of weeks for uh, Fables Around the Table. Uh, Tainted Love, where we will be playing the uh, new... RPG, uh, Vizigoths versus Malgoths. Um, the, the cast will be, um, bringing back, uh, Fiona and Dan, um, as two, two player characters. I will be telling the story this time. Um, and then we will be bringing in our friends, uh, Kitty and Roger to fill out our roster.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm so excited. It's going to be so fun. Uh, mm-hmm. Chelsea just finished our, like, character art for it last night, and Oh my precious babies!
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's going to be a big shift from the story we told here. Yeah, yes, it's going to be really good. Um,
2: mm-hmm. It will be a much lighter story. Um, the The game is branded as a role playing game slash dating sim. So if you ah, like,
4: I'm familiar with those.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you like the relationship aspects of RPGs, I would encourage you to check us out if you want kind of a more lighthearted story.
0: Yeah we'll get We'll get away from doom and gloom, and then uh each season of fables will be focused on like a different r p g system and setting and genre and uh yeah i've I'm, I'm super excited for tainted love. it's gonna be so fun. Um, but with that, we have a bunch of projects that everyone needs to plug that I usually do in the mid episode break, but we will just end this episode with everyone saying their projects. So Nick, you go first.
1: Yeah. Uh, as I said before, I am, I'm one of the, uh, co co-creators of project derailed and i am the dungeon master on tales of the void um every one of which it was involved with uh fables around the table curse um fiona plays ravness our friend tanner who uh was the school counselor is marco and elias rookwood uh was uh saker who plays Luckbeak humboldt uh and um yeah, we're currently between chapters, but we will be doing a special live stream on Saturday, August 1st at 8 p.m. Eastern Time for Gen Con Online. We'll, we'll be doing a canonical one shot with special guests, the library bards, Bonnie Gordon and Xander Genre.
0: Okay, and uh, Chelsea, you next.
2: Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter at CLRex4. Um also if you are into candles and nice smelling things uh m- uh a dear friend and I run a Etsy store called Plot Kindling Candles. Um we release uh candles based on character concepts that we make up um based on different um character modifiers so your races classes etc. We're starting our we're currently releasing our uh, Dungeons & Dragons line, which is we're doing a candle for every race and class. Uh, next month, you should stay tuned uh, for the Artificer and the Paladin to be released. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, so if you're looking for a candle that reminds you of gasoline, or a candle that <laughs> makes you think of um, aromatic grass and roses, uh, stay tuned! Uh, you can follow uh, Plot and Candles at uh candles plot on Twitter and plot Kindling Candles on Instagram.
0: And it's uh etsy.com slash slash plot candling candles and I have that memorized because I said it so many <laughs> times during our episode <laughs> breaks. That's great. <laughs> <correct>, thank you. <laughs> um Annie, why don't you go next? Alright, I
3: am super into books, uh in particular YA literature. Um I read constantly, so my best friend and I, she actually brought up possibly doing a podcast. So we're in the process um, of working on that and going through everything, but we are two bookish babes on Instagram and two bookish babes on... Twitter but I don't think we're very active so you can follow me at the reading bell on uh, Twitter I that's pretty much it for me
0: okay and Daniel
4: I don't really do anything <laughs> you're, you're going to be doing
0: uh, Tainted Love and yeah. do this podcast so listen to this podcast and yeah. uh, uh, follow and me on my love.
4: journey to be the most consistent cast member on Tales of, <laughs> Tales of, Tales
0: of, <laughs> Uh, What about you, Garrett?
4: Um, So if you like listening to
5: music uh, in between your podcasts, I'm in a band uh, called Northern Weather. Um, We are a uh, indie punk band from Akron, Ohio. You can find our music. We've got a couple songs up on Spotify. Um, We're pretty quiet right now because uh, COVID has made shows impossible. But uh, we are hopeful for lots of really fun and exciting things next year um and i also do have to say i can't say much just yet but uh there might be a new fable around the table being worked on um if you enjoy superheroes uh spy thrillers uh there might be a few people on this podcast right now and another one that's not uh who you might hear from sometime soon so that's all i'll say Ooh, Ooh. spicy <laughs>
0: um yeah and uh tom and i are on the podcast that we're now going to take off of hiatus because this show is over Uh big streaming <laughs> pile where we watch bad uh, well i make tom watch bad movies on yeah. streaming services and then we uh and then i make him talk about them on a podcast <laughs> and uh it's pretty fun you can hear a lot of spicy takes like about how um oh god i don't remember what any of these movies are called but about how a random netflix original movie is actually oedipus rex but uh but the worst <laughs>
6: i am the master of the hot take
0: hey i made that one up. <laughs> um yeah so we we have some spicy takes that i hope everyone enjoys and um yeah i'm also part of project derailed i'm on uh tales of the void fair will also be a character on tainted love so i can uh not spend my whole life uh editing this podcast anymore but <laughs> <laughs> i i want to say that i absolutely love doing this uh it was such a great experience it was a, it was a good first uh gming experience especially since everyone sort of like understood what i was going for and uh really knocked it out of the park i think so thank you all for going on this journey with me and thanks to all of our guests uh for providing their voices for all the different npcs and thank, and thank you, you dig- for
1: writing and running it fiona
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. i i hope i hope people enjoyed it but um yeah so uh i think that that's it i think we can like wrap up now does everyone feel good
7: yeah. Alright. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. Bye.
7: Bye, Goodles.
1: Introducing Tales of the Voidfarer. Join the spacefaring adventures of a group of misfits in this D&D 5th edition podcast inspired by the 2nd edition setting, Spelljammer. My name's Marco Astorio.
0: My character is a Yankee. My character is a
1: Doar. Adorable little penguin people. You're Ravness, right? Yes, I, 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 and you are. I, it's a pleasure to meet you. My name's Luckby Cumble. My name is Captain Valeria Rain. And welcome aboard, the Voidfarer. Luckbeak, Ravnus, come on. There's so much to see over here. Catch new episodes of Tales of the Voidfarer every other Tuesday, wherever you get your podcast fix. <laughs> that's funny. Wait, did you just hmm? say that's funny and not laugh, Ravnus? We really have to work on your social skills. <laughs>